Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Connected Families podcast. We are so glad you're here. Today's podcast is the first in a four-part series about anxiety. Listen in as Jim Jackson and Chad Hange are joined by Lynn Jackson. Together, they discuss what the root is in both us as the parents and in our kids when we all struggle with anxiety. Well, here we are. Time to talk about anxiety, and I'm feeling mm-hmm. anxious. How about you? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> A little bit. Let's talk about anxiety. <laughs> Rah, rah. Uh, I I joke often, and it's only a half joke, I guess, that anxiety for me is sort of a lifelong journey. It's a deal that's been hard for me to to conquer, and I still am a work in progress. You are working it, though. Well, thank you. And (laughs) coming from you, that's quite a compliment. I'm going to take it. How about the two of you? We all wrestle with this. It's something we're implored by the Bible not to do, but what have been some ways that anxiety has been a challenge for you? I think I don't struggle as overtly with it. I haven't had panic attacks or any physical symptoms, but I think when I dig deep, in just different, maybe not so functional reactions <laughs> to mm-hmm. my kids or in social situations or whatever. I keep going down through the levels of what's this about? What's this about? What's this about? And I usually end mm-hmm. up at anxiety. Well, and did you hear Lynn imply right there, Chad, that somebody she knows has panic attacks from time to time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, she it's, knows a lot of people, Jim. She I do. knows a lot of people. It's been a long time, it but it's true. Been. I have had those attacks where your body shuts down and the thinking spirals out of control mm-hmm. and I don't know know if I'm going to have a heart attack and drop dead right here. And I've had to learn how to both physically and then spiritually moderate and get to a place where, you know, it's been Mm -hmm. years since I've had anxiety attacks. But I'm serious, folks, when I say this is something I've wrestled with. I've been through it. And so I get that we're in a day and age now where anxiety is heightened because of the political tensions, because of the racial strife, because of the COVID lock-ins and stay-at-home learning and, you know, all the different things. A lot of uncertainty out there. So much. So, Chad, how about you? Uh, I, I never would have considered myself to be an anxious person. And then I started to have kids and my kids were starting to do things that I didn't, do really have a lot, I didn't really have any control over. You know, that produces anxiety because uh, I certainly come from a perspective, unknowing, kind of coming by it honestly, that uh, my kids are a reflection of me and uh, I need them to behave well in order for me to look good. And then suddenly they don't behave well. I don't look good. I feel anxious. Other people are judging me. Mm-hmm. That's what I mm-hmm. think. And uh, I put a lot of effort into controlling behavior that I don't really have any control over. And up goes the anxiety. Again, it's not something that I ever would have said I was 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, But now kind of comes out in some different ways, especially about just concern about their future. Like, what yeah. are they going to become? Yeah. And what's uh, what's going to happen? So if you're relating, listeners, to some of the things you're hearing as Lynn and Chad and I start talking about this, tune in for a little bit. We're going to have a conversation about anxiety through the lens, like we so often do, of the Connected Families framework that we teach parents. And we're not going to take a lot of time in this series to unpack that framework, other than to say, at the foundational part of our lives, we are responsible to us. We're responsible to to take captive to Christ's obedience, the thoughts, the actions, the repeated things that we continue to go through and struggle with, as well as to recognize God's righteousness in us and through us, and how does that show up and, and give some celebration to that. But in our foundation work, I think we're compelled as much as anything to understand our anxiety for what it is, to use words to name it, to be prayerful about it, and to start making some new choices. Yeah, it's really important. And there's been lots of families that in this environment have called back in for coaching. It mm-hmm. has been really stressful. But yeah. it's also been fun to see parents really dig deep and start in that foundation place of looking into themselves yeah. and 
and figuring it out. Yeah, the survey that we took, and we've referred to this a few times back, and this was before some of the racial unrest, which I'm sure has even upped the game a little bit, suggested that 70% or more of the families that are paying attention to what we're doing at Connected Families have heightened stress in their homes these days. Again, the number's probably higher. And so we don't want stress to win. We don't want anxiety to win. We want to engage with this in a way. And Lynn, you suggested, and Chad, I know you too, have, have coached a lot of parents through some of the issues that they're stressed about that provoke anxiety in them and their kids. And so let's dive in for a little bit in this episode about what's the work we as parents can begin to do that help us to wrestle well with this issue of anxiety in our homes? Well, it really is to just ask that question, what's going on in me about this? And I coached the mom of a, of a four-year-old who is starting to have kind of classic, almost OCD kinds of symptoms of changing his underwear every time he, he went to the bathroom and having a high fear of small, round, dark fruits like blueberries, hmm. like screaming meltdowns. Hmm over blueberries and things like them. And so they, she came in for coaching and we just started by digging down, wow, what goes yeah. on in you at this time? And she got in touch with how her mom had big explosive meltdowns and then she would feel terrified. And so now when her son does this, she would feel highly anxious and out of control. Yeah. Did she share with you some of the thoughts that she would have or some of the actions she took out of that place of fear and anxiety? Just very loud and controlling and trying to get him to calm down. And then sometimes she'd just like leave. She couldn't take it. Mm -hmm. But then as she dug under the surface, she did some really good work. And she was gracious enough to send me her journal copy from this and had a prayer that she would pray about her son every day. And it was that God would change my belief from he is irrational, I can't stop him, I feel unsafe and alone, and change that to he's an anxious four-year-old and this is his release valve. I can be sturdy and safe and tender for him because God was with me when I was young with her mom and God is with me now bringing deep healing. God will show me how. Wow, this sounds a little bit to me like somebody who got very specific in how to apply the verses in Philippians 4. Here's Paul from house arrest, having been beaten and talked in other writings about suffering the chains for the sake of the gospel. I mean, this is a guy who's been through it and has lots of reasons to be stressed. And he starts out in Philippians 4, and he says, we need to learn to rejoice in the Lord always. And it's so important. He says, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. And then goes on to talk about the anxiety and stress. Don't be stressed. Don't be anxious. But in everything, everything, so kids who are scared of little black objects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Parents who are afraid their kids are making poor choices. Yeah, in <laughs> everything. Right? Yeah, in everything with prayer petition and thanksgiving in your heart, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your heart and mind. Sounds like she was living that out. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And it was really fun to hear, you know, she wrote back a few weeks later and just said, David is doing much better in terms of his anxiety and stress. We've had very few meltdowns or tantrums, and he seems to be able to recover more quickly. Mm -hmm. So I'll give more of their story as we go through this 
podcast, these podcast episodes. Yeah, I think that would be great because so many times parents hear stuff that's a good idea, but how does it work? How does it get practical? So with this family's permission, we're going to share some of the details of this story, a work in progress. The other thing with the story, maybe just in bigger context, is that our beliefs and our thoughts drive feelings and actions. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking really about what we believe leads to how we're going to think about something and then how we're going to feel about something and then what's going to come out of our mouth Mm -hmm. or what we're actually going to do. And so you just take this story and you go, she started working at the top of that, you know, the beliefs lead to thoughts, feelings, and actions. So beliefs and thoughts, as we take those things captive, are kind of a window for us to see what's going on with us and mm-hmm. then allow us to shift and alter those those beliefs and those thoughts, which yeah. lead to different feelings and different actions over time. And Chad, you wrote about that maybe in just a little bit different way a while back about a cycle that parents can get themselves in that gets them stuck. You know, a stressful event happening either in or out of the home, and then this happens, and then that happens, and then this happens, and then another event happens and now it's worse than it was before. Can you describe that cycle just a little bit before we talk and think practically about how to go after this a little differently? Yeah, you know, like you said, there's a there's an event that happens and the article that I wrote was around school. Okay, so you get an email from the teacher saying your child's not doing very very well right now or starting to put pressure on the parent in hopes, I think, then to put pressure on the child increases my anxiety. And then I move towards projecting a negative future. Like, oh my goodness. If we don't get this thing figured out pretty soon, and I don't know if other parents have said or thought those things, but I've thought that. Lots of parents I coach Mm -hmm. with have thought the same kinds of things. If we don't get this thing figured out, this negative thing is going to happen. They're never going to graduate from school. They're going to have to retake the class, whatever it might be. And then it moves me into controlling and micromanaging. When I get fearful and anxious, I naturally become a controlling parent. That's my default. Anxiety leads me to controlling and micromanaging. So now I'm having a conversation with my child saying, what are you doing? I got an email from your teacher and you can just hear even the anxiety Mm -hmm, in my mm -hmm. voice does not produce yeah. a response that's going to be very receptive to that. So, Which is such an important point. I just want to stop and dwell on it for a second. We haven't really said this out loud as well as we could have yet, which is there's a relationship, isn't there, between our kids' anxiety and ours. If I get anxious in my efforts to help my child settle down, that's not productive. It goes the other direction because my kids feed off of my anxiety. Right. Yeah. So increased anxiety leads to projecting a negative future, moves me towards controlling and micromanaging, which leads to discouragement for my kids. Mm -hmm. They start to get discouraged and discouraged kids tend to give up (laughs) or they're just not going to do the things that we would like them to do. And our discouragement really moves them towards really our children resenting and resisting us. So they're discouraged. I'm offering great suggestions, by the way. I mean, if they would just do what I'm telling them to do, everything would be fine. (laughs) Yeah, Okay. of course. Dad knows best, right? But there's the resentment and the resistance that starts to happen when I move in that direction, Mm -hmm. which then, by the way, completes our cycle and moves me back into an increased anxiety because now I'm getting this back talk or this lack Mm -hmm. of movement towards what they should be doing and I get more anxious and we just keep rolling through that cycle. So we get to the end of one iteration of the cycle and hear ourselves saying things like, where is this heading and what are we going to do about this? And, you know, all of these negatively charged expressions, not that it's not healthy to want to do something about it, 
but that are you can hear the energy, right? And when it's that kind of energy, then it tends to fuel the process. Boy, I sure relate to that cycle myself, as well as parents I've coached. Say more about that, Lynn. Well, just that as our anxiety grows, we get more prone to, to think negatively because our systems are in fight or flight, self-protection, where's the danger? And then we get more controlling because that's all part of that, you know, fight or flight system is to try to control something when we feel out of control. Then the kid gets discouraged mm-hmm. and he fights, he or she fights back or just gives up. So and then the whole thing goes more and more. You said that you relate to that. How is that personal for you? Oh, it just reminds me of what would be behind my riding my kids mm-hmm. more when they were young. It's like, what's going to happen if this doesn't go somewhere, yeah. you know, doesn't get better and I got to make it better and quick yeah. and put a lot of pressure on everybody. So here's a little bit about this cycle. Here's a little bit about the traps we get ourselves in by repeating the cycle of anxiety. We're going to come back on the other side of a little break and talk about some hope. What are some things we as parents can do to think practically, to do some things that help us to release our own anxiety before we engage with our kids as much to help them with theirs? Here at Connected Families, our mission is to equip parents to lead their family with grace. With that in mind, we have a number of free resources on our website. There's a free ebook called Help Your Child With Their Anger. There is also a number of free encouraging image downloads and even a list of 60 fun activities to do with your kids. If you are interested in free resources to help you with your parenting, check out our website at connectedfamilies.org. Click on the resources tab and then click on free. Well, we took a few minutes there to talk about the struggle with anxiety that each of us relates to. As individuals, each of us has found ourselves in anxious places. We've learned some things about how to move toward God's grace, God's truth, the peace that surpasses understanding. We've learned to help parents through that. Let's take the rest of our time to really look into what is the antidote? What are some ways that we can grow away from that anxious place, those anxious habits that we have, and toward those peaceful, peace that surpasses understanding practices and habits. And one of the things, just following up on your Philippians 4 take around the peace that passes all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, the following two verses, Paul tells us what we should focus on. And he That's says, kind of the hey, antidote, right? yeah, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, praiseworthy, Think about those kinds of things. And then I really like verse 9 where he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, (laughs) right? And the God of peace will be with you. Which starts to kind of bring it back to it's why it's so important for us to start with us, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the that's why I giggled. It's like, oh, I know sometimes parents don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about a formula for helping our kids. We don't want it to be about looking inward and figuring things out. You know, let's talk about this, though, because of how important it is. And I want to talk for a little bit about just a day I had last week. I had a bad day. I had a bad day for a bunch of reasons. I had felt some shame about some things. I was feeling underproductive. I was feeling like, gosh, I'm 60 years old and what am, what's my life about now? And, you know, without 
dismissing at all some of the things God has done in and through me and Lynn to get connected families to this place. It's like, gosh, what's my next chapter? And I, like, I was just starting to think all these goofy, weird thoughts. And I just knew I had to take a walk. And I took a walk and I did the work. I did the best I could to look at what was good and to pat myself on the back for things I've done. And Jim, you're not such a bad person. And you look at all you've done and you know all the things. And it wasn't getting me anywhere. It was just like, yeah, I've said that to myself before and it's not helping right now. And then I was like, you know what? I need to run. And I'm not much of a runner, but I... I, <laughs> <laughs> why, why does the laugh come so quickly when I say that? But I took off and I ran for, you know, it wasn't very far, 100 yards or so. I ran about as fast as I could and I, I got my heart beating and I, I got myself out of breath. And then I remembered this thing that I had read about giving yourself a hug, literally giving yourself a hug. And there's things that happen in your brain when you cross your right arm to your left shoulder and your left arm to your right shoulder. And they could make a song about that, I suppose. And I just hugged myself. And said to myself, Jim, all the stuff and the things you do don't matter. I love you. And it's like, I know that was God's voice for me, but it's also, you know, Jesus told me to love my neighbor as I love myself. (laughs) And there was something in that activity that helped me get to a different mind state. Now, uh, I know there's some spiritual stuff that happened there. There's some practical stuff that happened there. But I think there's something in there to learn, isn't there, about how to think about going through this stuff and put those verses into place with our kids. Well, I love that the verses start with, finally, brethren, whatever is true. Mm -hmm. We anchor ourselves in the truth about ourselves and God's presence with us and his love for us. And perfect love casts out fear. You'll probably hear this verse more than once in this series, but Mm. that's the bottom line of just knowing that I'm loved, my value is not dependent on how things go right now, my future is secure, all those kind of things that can just start to erode that anxiety that wants to rise up and just overcome us. Yep. So get practical. You coach parents, you help parents through this all the time. How do we apply those verses in our behavior? and in our thought patterns and in the ways that we deal with ourselves before we go to our kids relative to anxiety. One thing that I think we need to do is we go to prayer. And this doesn't need to be a long five-minute prayer. It can be a quick prayer. And uh, sometimes sometimes there's a, you know, it's always hard to, to kind of figure out what's what. What's the physical? What's the chemical? What's the spiritual? What are all those things? But sometimes it's a spiritual piece. And for that, there are times where I will just go, in the name of Jesus Christ, spirit of fear or anxiety, get out. Leave me. Mm -hmm. Right now, I receive and then fill it back in. I just receive the spirit of truth in me, and I reject your efforts to bring anxiety to me or to help me go down that path. Sure. And that's really Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious in nothing, but in everything with prayer prayer. and petition. The petition comes after the prayer, the thinking, the thoughtfulness, the asking God to help me with the things that I'm struggling with, which is really kind of a form of surrender, isn't it? But it starts with prayer. Nothing that that really gets in the way of our parenting effectively than us being anxious. So if the enemy is going to get a foothold in us to really drive our parenting in some ways that aren't very healthy or helpful, that's a really really good target, I would suggest. Well, and Lynn, before you say what you're going to say, I just want to say, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, gosh, that's what I need. I need this prayer piece. Please reach out to us at Connected Families. We have a prayer ministry. Chad and his wife, Karma, help lead folks through 
healing prayers, you know, anchored in the connected families framework, but it's this, it's this foundational part of our lives, and sometimes we need help to, to dig in there. I will also say, since I'm talking about needing help, you know, sometimes we get stuck in anxious patterns, and we just can't get out by ourselves. And prayer and, you know, all the things that we've been told or read about to do just aren't helping. It's okay to get help to seek help. I have sought help for my anxiety in my life, and it's been profoundly helpful to seek professional help by way of a family therapist to help me sort that out and get, and a Christian family therapist that helped me sort out how to think spiritually and develop some new tapes, if you will, for guiding my own anxiety. But please reach out to us if this prayer piece speaks to you in any kind of a way. But then beyond that, what are the tools that you've given to parents to think and act their way through this? Well, there's a lot just that we can do with our body to decrease our anxiety. Because if you think in terms of whatever my body might do in a fight or flight situation, in terms of self-protective actions, you just do the opposite of that. And that will begin to calm your nervous system. So for example? So in fight or flight, we take rapid, shallow breaths to try to get oxygen as quickly as possible. So instead, it's about deep breathing, slow exhale, slow inhale, a little pause. You never hold your breath and pause while you're under (laughs) attack. You know, that's dangerous. So you begin to do that kind of breathing and it's going to calm your body down. But it's different for each person. I was coaching one mom and in the midst of the craziness, she said, oh yeah, the breathing thing, that just doesn't work for me. You know, I'm an intense physical person. So I just got into my sweats and I started jumping and touching the ceiling because she was a volleyball player Mm -hmm. at one point. So she got her big muscles engaged, which then led to some breathing, whether that was her effort or not, which is what I did when I ran. I wasn't thinking about breathing. I was thinking about exerting. but Yeah, mm-hmm. but that uses up the fight-or-flight chemistry like we talked about in our sensory diet post. It uses up the fight-or-flight chemistry if we do big muscle work. So, you know, yeah. take mm-hmm. a jog around the block or go shoot some hoops with the child that you're struggling with. You know, do some push-ups, something like that. So that can really help. And the, the research about exercise and anxiety and depression is really, really strong. And then simply focusing on what is good and true, like Philippians 4, 8. And this was huge for me because I could get into a real negativity cycle. So just recognizing that these negative, anxious, discouraged thoughts can truly be a tool of our enemy and that I am determined not to give him the satisfaction of our spiritual enemy, not to give him the satisfaction of raking myself and my children over the coals with these anxious, discouraged, Mm. negative, Mm -hmm. there's no hope, you're defective, you're inadequate kind of beliefs, knowing that they are subtle lies. And so really digging back to what's true and keeping that in front of my eyes and remembering that. And they're keeping it in front of your eyes, really that practice of understanding and identifying what the unhelpful we call toxic beliefs are, and then literally writing down the truth Mm -hmm. and finding ourselves asking God, God, what's true about me Mm -hmm. in this situation? Could could you help me? And that might mean you ask a couple other people if you're really stuck. Mm -hmm. But what is true about me? Writing it down, putting it on your phone, putting it where you can see it. And and when you're tempted to go back to that place of repeating the negative... You're like, no, this is the truth, and that we saturate ourselves in truth. I really love that, and it makes me think about the meme movement, you know, the memes on Facebook and on Instagram, and and people love certain memes. And I've noticed a trend about the memes uh, as it relates to spiritual things, and sometimes the memes are those kinds of memes that it's like, if you keep your head up, you won't run into a tree. 
you know, or, or something. I'm just making this up. Don't make a meme out of that. But it's the kind of meme that reminds me that I've been running into trees a lot and it feels sort of discouraging. Like that's not a helpful meme for me because I run into trees a lot and that's a part of my life. You know, if we relate it to anxiety, I still at age 60 run into anxiety trees because I don't always keep my head up and that meme isn't going to help me. But what's the short meme that might help me? Dwell on what's true about you. Dwell on what's true about God. A short, repeatable thing. Well, that's what I love about David's mom did when she wrote this in her journal. She told me she referred to this every morning in her prayer Mm. time. She would go back to these core beliefs, and she had a different one for each of her kids. But just even thinking again about that belief about David, it's like, I can be sturdy and safe and tender for him because God was with me when I was young. Mm. And he is with me now. Yep. She wrote her own truth. I love that. Well... What else do you want to say about this before we wrap? I want to say that our kids can learn more from watching how we deal with anxiety and stress than they probably ever can in a Sunday school lesson because this is real life. Mm. This is who I look to, you know, as you said about whatever you've learned and seen and received from me. Mm -hmm. This is real life. These are my real God-ordained role models. And to overt um, and talk about our process out loud instead of disappearing to our quiet time and coming back a little more peaceful. But talking out loud about how we deal with anxiety and memorizing scripture together with our kids. So when one of our kids was struggling in middle school with just anxiety about the pressures of middle school, we met, we worked on memorizing Philippians 4, 6, and 7 Mm -hmm. together. And that kind of became a life verse for him. And that's, that's invaluable opportunity to disciple our kids mm-hmm. when we are going through all this tough stuff. The effort that you put in around this work, the foundational work, will lead to then the rewards later. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't start at the, you know, don't be anxious kids. And so I just say, give yourself a break. <laughs> Identify. I always think about it as the mall kiosk where you look for the you are here statement. Right. You go, oh, there's the sticker. You are here. It's really hard to get places when you don't know where you are. And so if you're going, yeah, this is where I'm at. Where do I want to go? And God would give me vision for that. And uh, I think having mentors and people come alongside of us, living this by yourself, feeling like you've got to gut it out or somehow make the changes by yourself can be really daunting and really hard. So Mm -hmm. inviting a trusted friend or spouse into that situation who is willing to offer you grace and, and give you encouragement around that could be very beneficial as well. Yeah, so the antidote cycle, if you will, begins with prayer, begins with a physical awareness and doing some breathing however we can or getting physical to the degree that we can. It's to give some brain power to what's good, to focus on what's good. It's to be thoughtful about the things we say to ourselves and to repeat life-giving stuff and to find a way to defeat stuff that's not life-giving. And then it's to find help, to get help, whether it's professional help or not. Invite people to walk this journey journey with you, especially in these days, in these times. So important to be sharing our journeys with one another. I just want to even add in a little story. You know, this topic brings me back to the night a a while ago when Jim and I were in a really, really rough, discouraged, highly anxious place. And we showed up on Jad and Karma's doorstep and just said, pray for us. And they lit a fire and put us into chairs and gave us a little back rub as they prayed. And it was one of the most amazing healing times. Even if you have to get a babysitter for your kids, who are your people that can do that for you? And maybe it's just a Zoom prayer, but 
get support from the body of Christ. So we've referenced a number of posts and things that you can access. They'll be in the show notes. And we're going to come back next time and talk about some do's and don'ts, very practical do's and don'ts for encouraging our kids through anxiety as we get a hold of our own. What are the well-intentioned things parents do that might end up being counterproductive? And so between now and then, just get deep in yourself in this notion that as you grasp your own anxiety and where it's coming from and what you do to submit your anxiety to the Lord, know that you'll be better able to help your kids with their anxiety. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Families Podcast. We hope you got tips that you can use in your parenting today. Please subscribe and leave us a positive review so other families can find us and learn how to parent with peace and connection.